Amen. Good morning, church. How are you today? Wow, that was fantastic. And on the first try, air five to all of you. That was great. Well, good morning, everybody. My name is Pastor Angus. I am the family pastor here at Cornerstone. Uh, I've been given the opportunity to speak today because Pastor Jay is, uh, as we already said, in Africa. It's pretty amazing. I want to just encourage you right now that as he's going on these trips, uh, what they're doing is he's shoring up future trips for us, and he's, he's creating pathways for us to be able to go on missions trips. And so though you haven't heard of them yet, I want to encourage you to begin to pray right now about which one you're supposed to go on. And, um, and when God tells you which one you're supposed to go on, then begin to ask for him for the provision. Because if it's his will, it's his bill. And he will help you get to where he's calling you to. And so I just want to encourage you right now, just purpose in your heart. I don't know which one I'm going on, but I'm going on one. And I, I just can't wait for me to be able to go on my first uh, foreign missions trips. I've done local. I've done here in, uh, in the United States. But I haven't gone on a foreign missions trip. My first one was supposed to be the year COVID hit. And so I kind of lost out. I was supposed to, uh, to go to South America, and it didn't work out. But that's all right, because I'm going to go on one of these that are coming up. Again, welcome to Cornerstone. We are so glad that you're here. If today is your first time, welcome. We can't wait for you to become a part of the family. Well, before I get into things, I want to just say to everybody who, uh, who's here that has finished the fast, congratulations. Yes. Give yourselves a hand. Absolutely. We just, as a church, uh, finished 21 days of corporate fasting and prayer. And I know that after 21 days, it is very difficult to finish strong. But I know many of you did. And so I just want to read this scripture here real quick. Matthew 6, 16. That says, And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites. For they disfigure their faces, and the, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. I just wanted to remind us of that scripture because the very first part of it, it says, and when you fast. And I'm so excited for everybody who's been able to come through uh, this fast. And if, if this was your first time, congratulations. If you weren't able to do it this time, that's okay. Purpose for next time. But the other thing I also want to tell you is you do not have to wait until we are in a time of corporate fasting for you to fast. If you have a decision that you need to make, if you've got a breakthrough that you're seeking, that's a great time to fast. It has become one of my favorite spiritual disciplines because it shows you that you won't die. It shows you that you're the boss of this body. That you're the boss of your situations. And sometimes we feel so out of control of all the things that are going on that we need to see that, no, we are in charge. We do have authority. God has given us those things. But now it's time to eat. And so I just pray that as you guys do eat uh, and as you come out of your fast, please, please, please be careful. Be careful. I just, I had to share this word of warning with you. A few years ago, I did my first 21-day water-only fast. It was phenomenal, the breakthrough and everything. And um, it ended right as we, the week, the day that we went to KidCon, uh, KidVention. 
And I, uh, when you haven't eaten anything, you need to work your system back up to eating solid food. And so I was so good. I packed a lunchbox with carrots and pickles and, you know, just all that really good stuff. And I snacked on some of it on the way, and they were the most glorious carrots I'd have ever eaten in my life. And then we got to KidCon, where they have pepperoni pizza. And though I was strong for 21 days, I used up all of my strength and willpower because I ate three pieces, three pieces of pepperoni pizza that I'm pretty sure they ordered with extra grease that day. And let me tell you, it was like I ate a block of C4. It just exploded in my stomach. And so I just, I learned my lesson, and so I, I ask you, learn from my mistake. Be gentle to yourselves as you come back out of your fasting. Don't, don't overdo it, because it is not worth it. Trust me. Well, um, I'm excited that I get to uh, cap off our, our series on Follow Me. These last few weeks, uh, Pastor Jay and, and Celeste have spoken on, um, on the topic of Follow Me, where we've discussed the, the process that Jesus went where he called his disciples and what that means for each of us. Because here at Cornerstone, we want to walk like Jesus. You've seen this picture before. We want to, we're on process with Jesus. We are never finished. We're never complete. And so we walk with him. It's because as we follow him, we see how he goes and where he goes so that we can go the same places. Because here at Cornerstone, we want to be more like Jesus. And we do that by loving God, making disciples, and reaching the world. And there are multiple ways that we do that here at the church, but one of those is through life groups, which I want to encourage you that um, starting February 5th, next Sunday, is uh, when our life groups kick back off again. So I want to invite you to go to our website, go to our app, and check out what life groups are there, where you can connect with others, where we can grow <clears throat> in the Lord and where we can serve each other. And uh, also, um, if you are one of the leaders and, and you've been thinking about getting that, that information up there, be sure to get that into us so we can have it all up and ready for everybody. The thing about life groups is that was how Annie and myself and our family got connected over 12 years ago here at Cornerstone. We came, and, and we weren't connected anywhere. We, didn't, we had family, but we didn't have a community. And it was as a result of going to life groups that we connected with other peoples. The Willises invited us to their, first, to their, their small group. And we went, and we, we began to get connected. And it, I was just sharing this with, uh, with a friend, that the difference from when our first son was born to when our first daughter was born was tremendous. Because when Gavin was born, we weren't in church. And so we had to do life alone, or with, with the family that we had, as their schedules would allow. But by the time Faith came along, just two years later, we had gotten connected. And as a result, we had a church family. We didn't cook for two weeks. It was phenomenal. At Gavin's first birthday party, our small group family, our life group family, they were the first people to come and the last people to leave. And they helped clean. It was amazing. So I just say that to encourage you, if you have not gotten connected yet, 
find your place because there is a family here that is waiting for you to join it. But as we look at this topic of follow me, Pastor Jay texted me last week and said, hey, I'm going to be in Sudan this week. Can you preach next week? And I said, sure. And so um, I was like, man, they've done such a great job on, on everything already. What am I going to preach on? So I really pressed into the Lord, and I'll tell you, Monday, I was stressed out because I'm like, Pastor Jay is going to be leaving, and I don't even know what I'm, I'm talking on yet. And so I really started to ask the Lord where, where we should go. And he goes, why don't you talk about the guy who didn't follow Jesus? Ooh, I like that. You see, there's a lot of people who did follow Jesus, and there are a lot of people who didn't follow Jesus. But there's one specific instance that I want to talk about, and it's found in Matthew 19, starting at verses 18. And that's where we're going to pick up. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother and... You shall love your neighbors as yourself. The young man said to him, All these I have kept. What do I still lack? Before I move on, I want to say these commandments that Jesus speaks to the young man, and I'll, I'll go into more depth to talk to you about the young man and, and the context of this. But real quick, when we talk about these, uh, these commandments, we're talking about the ones that the Lord gave us to help us relate to our fellow man. So, what do I still lack, he said to Jesus. Then Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Father, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you for this message today. God, I pray that though these are my notes that it would be your words that your people hear. God, I pray that you would open hearts, minds, ears, and situations to what it is that you would speak. Lord, I pray that we came in one way, but we would leave some way else today. Lord, I pray that your blessing would be upon this message in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So again, today, we're talking about the guy who didn't follow Jesus. You see, We've, we find this, this rich young man here in Matthew 9. Um, this is into the, uh, I'm sorry, did I say nine, 19? 19. Uh, in Matthew 19, um, this is well into the, uh, the ministry of Jesus. He's got a lot of his disciples there. He's got a, uh, he's got a record now. He's got, he's got people who know what's going on about Jesus. And so there's this rich young man, as, as Jesus is coming by, he comes up to Jesus and he goes, hey, what do I need? I, I, I've got this, I've got all this stuff covered, but I know I'm still missing something. What is it that I lack? And Jesus tells him that, you know, he, he sees that he's got a lot of wealth, and he tells him, well, you, you need to sell what you've got and give it to the poor and then come follow me. Now, if Jesus told you to give away everything that you had right now, what would you do? Would you follow? Well, it's, I mean, I don't know. It'd be pretty hard. Uh, we know that Pastor Jay and Celeste have done that a couple of times. They've had to sell their stuff so that they could go and follow him across the world. Now, the reality is, is God is not going to call us to get rid of everything all the time. I mean, there are some people that he will call but others he won't. 
And so today, I, I don't want you to get focused on, on the, the rich man and his money, because that's not really what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that the rich man was probably like most Americans to some extent. He had, um, he had freedom that wealth affords. I mean, he was able to do more things than the people who didn't have money. I mean, that's just, that's one of the things that money gives you, right? As a result of having the money, he probably ate very well. He, he didn't want for a whole lot of stuff. You see, and that wealth insulates us from a lot of things. Would you agree with that? You see, when we see those, the pictures of the people there in Sudan, it just warms my heart to see that God loves us in all of our contexts. He doesn't love one more than anybody else. He doesn't love me more because I'm rich or because I've got more wealth as an American than those people in Sudan. He loves them just as much that he would send people to them just as he sent people to me. Just as he's sending people to you. And as he's sending you to somebody else. You see, he had it together. Or what we would think that he, he had it together. It feels pretty good to feel like you've got it together, right? Now, every year I, I progress in adulthood, Annie and I kind of have this joke. That when we make another purchase or, or we hit a, a certain point, we're like, are we really adults now? Does this mean we're, we're fully adults? Because... For, for those of you who are younger than me, just know that we're all kind of making it up as we go along. Um, and we're learning from the people who came before us. And so this guy, he, he seemed to have it together. He felt like he had it together. The people underneath him probably felt like he had it together. But he knew that he was missing something. And so that's why he went to Jesus. That's why we go to other people. And, and f to ask them, what is it that we're missing? And hopefully your answer is, you need Jesus. But why didn't he follow? Why didn't he follow? The reality is, is we have things in our lives that cause us to not follow, just like this man. You see, when Jesus saw him, Jesus recognizes what's in us. He already knows. He doesn't need to interview us. He doesn't need to get our backstory and all of that stuff to know what's standing in our way. In fact, if you were to ask him right now what's standing in your way, he'd tell you. And we're going to get into that later, so don't get ahead of me. Um, but see, this young man, he had heard of the miracles. He'd heard of Jesus, and he knew he needed something. But what Jesus told him he needed to do was get rid of that wealth because that wealth is what stood between him and God. You see... In those first few sentences, we find that he's got no problem relating to his fellow man. And when you've got lots of money, it's easy to give. Well, maybe. Sometimes. Depends on your heart. It's easier to do things when you have resource. And so he had no problem relating to his fellow man. But that wealth stood between him and God. And again, we don't want to get stuck on the, the wealth part of it because... See, for me, I didn't have that issue. I didn't have wealth standing between me and God. What I had was anger. You see, I grew up a very angry little boy. Very angry young man into a very angry older man. And as a result of that anger, 
I, it, that anger came from a place of hurt. And I medicated both of those things with alcohol. And for me, that was something that kept me from following Christ for a number of years. I would sit right there in that section, and then we moved over to this section. And I would sit there still this angry person. This person who would still drink pretty regularly. At my height, I was drinking about 16 ounces of vodka a day, or a pint of vodka a day, and then finishing off with a couple of tall boys. You see, because I had to medicate what was going on. And as a result of that, I had also built up a bunch of friendships. That that's what we revolved around, was drinking and hanging out. And the more I came to church here, and the more I heard what the Lord was saying about being sober-minded and not being angry and not sinning in your anger, which is exactly what I was doing, I had to evaluate myself. And I'd have to look at that, that habit in my life, and i go, well, it's not, I just kind of put put a blanket over it and just try and decorate it up so it didn't look like it was really there. So that when, when other Christians would come over to my house, I could just pretend that it wasn't a problem. Or when, when the Lord was trying to talk to me, I'd go, Lord, it's, it's not a problem. See, I'm in church today. But the reality is, it was a huge problem for me. And one of the reasons I couldn't let go was because of my attachment to those friends. See, because I knew if I got rid of alcohol, that I might not hang out with those friends as much. And so I held on to it for a long time. And I praise God that in all those times that I didn't have one interaction like this rich man did. You see, because the rich man, he came, he asked Jesus, Jesus gave him the answer, and he goes, yeah, I'm not doing that. And they parted ways. Now I want to stop and think about what, the, what happened to that guy afterwards. It doesn't cover it. It doesn't, but think about it. You had a choice to go on tour with Jesus. He invited you to be one of the guys. And you said no. Why? Because of the money, in his case. You see, and I thank God that it wasn't one time in service where pastor said, all right, it's time to be sober-minded people. Anybody who's an alcoholic, come on up here and pray so you can follow Jesus. And if not, today was your day. Sorry, if not, you know. But see, we've got multiple choices. We've got multiple chances until we don't. You see, we can, we can follow Jesus right up until we've made that choice, and we can no longer choose something else. See, in this rich man's life, he didn't have the same, uh, the same chances that we did. His interaction was done pretty quick. Then he went home, and man, I just started to think about this guy and what he must have thought about every night after that haven't been given the opportunity to be there. And he was a young guy, right? So what happens after Jesus goes away? And then Pentecost comes. And then the other guys who were standing, in the, standing right around Jesus, when Jesus invited him to come, 
Now they are imbued with all this power, and they're making the world word go out, and all of these things. And he was sitting in his house, very comfortable. Man, that just made me go, ooh, Lord, don't let me sit in my comfort so that I don't follow you. You see, it took me a long time to finally overcome alcohol in my life. And it wasn't me. I tried by my own strength so many times to do it. And it was with one vision that the Lord gave me that I was done. Now, some people, he'll do that for. And your habit, it's gone, like it was for me. For others, you've got to fight it out. You've got to struggle with it a little bit. But I'll tell you that in Matthew 19, 23 and 29, it says, And Jesus said to his disciples, Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven. Right there, I want you to... Now, we don't change the scripture, but we do apply it to our lives. And so right there where, where it says, It's difficult for a rich person to enter the kingdom of heaven. I want you to put your thing right there. It's difficult for an alcoholic to enter heaven. It's difficult for somebody who doesn't forgive to enter the kingdom of heaven. And then it continues on and it says, Anyone who has left houses or brothers or sisters or fathers or mothers or children or lands for my name's sake will receive a hundredfold and will inherit eternal life. You see, what's so encouraging about this is God is not saying give something up for something that you don't know what you're going to get. He's telling you that when you give up these things that are between you and me, it's going to get so good. It's going to be so good. But see, we, we have to ask ourselves what's in our way. Maybe you're like I was, struggling with alcohol or, or anger. Maybe it's something else. Maybe it's your mindset that you're struggling with. Maybe it's just faith. Maybe you don't have the faith to follow God. But see, that's okay, because you can say, Lord, help me in my unbelief. Maybe what's in your way is emotional wounds. Maybe your past is what's in the way. In my experience, we see how we hang on to things, and especially emotional wounds. And those emotional wounds, they become pain, and, and then the way we cope with a lot of that stuff, it becomes something else entirely. And as I was going down this, this line of thought in my own head, I got this image of these North Korean generals. Have you guys ever seen them? They're just, they're covered in medals. And I saw myself as a North Korean general with every medal being something I've survived. Something, something that, that hurt me. Something that, you see, when, when we have an emotional wound 
a lot of times we hang on to that as a badge, as a medal of something that we have and can survive. And because we know we can survive it, we put it there as a reminder that I have survived it. Not only that, but we often like to show it to people and say, look at what I have survived. You've got no idea. You can't talk to me like that. You don't know what I've been through. The problem is, a lot of times we come to Jesus like that. We go, you have no idea what I've been through. You can't tell me to do that, Lord. Or you wouldn't be saying that if you knew what I have done. And so I saw this picture of these North Korean generals, and I just, I saw myself in one of those uniforms. And then I see all of you guys standing next to me in, in, in just different different rays, because you see how they all have different setups, because we've all survived something different. We all have our different hang-ups. And what I saw is rather than Jesus coming to pin on more medals, he came like this with his hand out saying, you want me to take that from you? Because I'll take it, and I'll heal that spot where it was at. And so unlike getting pinned with the medal, Jesus was there ready to take them off. And that's what I want to tell you is that it gets exhausting carrying all of that stuff. Could you imagine if Jesus told one of these guys to follow him? Not, not asking him to get rid of any, just in, those, just in that uniform. How tough would it be to walk the same distances that Jesus walked in a jacket full of medals like that? It'd be exhausting. Why do we think it's any different when it comes to emotional and mental pain? When it comes to our attitudes, when it comes to those sins, those things that we have collected ourselves. It's exhausting. And the Lord knows it's exhausting. So I want to ask you, what's in your way? What is it, like the rich man, maybe, maybe wealth is your thing. But what if it's something else? It's important for the believer and the non-believer to ask this. Because if, if you've got a wall in front of you and you're trying to follow somebody, you've got to get around that wall. And the thing is, Jesus can help you take the wall down or he can let you walk around it. You just have to decide which route you want to go. Just because I no longer have a problem with alcohol doesn't mean that I don't occasionally have uh, a problem with anger or my mindset or, or things like that. It's okay to continually work towards following Christ. We must consistently allow the Lord to examine us and reveal the things that are creating distance between him and us. Psalm 139 is a beautiful psalm, and I would encourage you to read it in its entirety. But I want to just touch on a couple of verses as we think about that. Psalm 139, 13 and 14, it says, For you formed my inward parts, you knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works, my soul knows it very well. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. 
and see if there is any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. You may be sitting there, and, or you may be online, and you may know exactly what it is that's keeping you from Christ. It's keeping you from following. Maybe you're like I was, and you're following just from way, 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 way back there. Because those things that we talked about are keeping you from getting any closer. You see, because you can follow Jesus and still have sin in your life. You can follow Jesus and still not be where you need to be. But again, that's why we show that picture, is because we're all in process. We're all still trying to, to grow and get closer. So I'm going to ask the worship team if you would come. You see, we all are being called right now in this moment to follow Jesus. And so I'm giving, I'm, I want to give you an opportunity. And so I want to ask you, have you embraced Jesus? You see, because we look to the cross that was once a sign of death, we look to it as a sign that we can have hope. That where we are at, we do not have to stay. And that everything that we are facing, everything that's keeping us from the Lord, Jesus already paid for. It says it like this in Romans 10, verse 9 and 10. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. If you find yourself here today, and you don't know why you're here, but this message resonates with you. And you know that you don't know Jesus, that you are not in relationship with him. Or maybe you were in relationship with him. And you fell away. Know that he's not mad at you. He's very glad that you're here. And so... What I'm going to do is ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes. And now I'm speaking to everyone who has never received Jesus as Lord and Savior. I'm going to just ask, I'm not going to embarrass you, but if you would, I just want to know how to pray for you. If you would, just raise your hand and say, Pastor, I don't, need, I don't know Jesus, but I need to know him. If you would, just raise your hand, and as, as you raise your hand, and as I see you, I'll tell you, you can put your hand down. And then we're going to pray. Amen. You see, the words are not magic. But they are important. And it's really a matter of your heart. And so we're going to pray this prayer. If you find that you need to be a little closer to Jesus. If you find that some things have built up in between you. You can pray this along with us. It says, Lord, thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus. I believe Jesus died on the cross for my sins. I believe he rose again. 
Forgive me of my sins. I surrender my life to you. In Christ's name, amen. And if you prayed that prayer for the first time, congratulations and happy birthday. Today is your spiritual birthday. And for the rest of us, in just a few minutes, we're going to get ready to go into communion. So I'd like to ask everybody if you would stand. In the next few minutes, we're going to go into this song, and then right after the song, we're going to go into uh, a time of communion. Now, you don't have to be a member of this church to participate in communion, but we do ask that you be a believer. And this time that we have right now at the altar... This is the time for you to come and ask the Lord, Lord, what stands between me and you? Lord, how can I follow you more closely? And when he tells you, start working on it. If you need help, ask him. And if you need support, we're here for you. Father, I thank you so much for this message, I thank you that you love us enough to continually call us to follow you. Lord, I pray that you would move right now in the hearts and minds and feet of your people, that they would be moved to action. Lord, that they wouldn't be satisfied with being in the back row of your followers, that they wouldn't want to be close to you. Lord, I pray that you would reveal to us those things that stand in our way, and I ask that you would help us to remove them. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. We're going to go into just a time of communion. If you do not have a cup, you can grab one here in the middle of the back. And if you're at home, you can take a moment just to go grab something. Um, communion is amazing. It's an amazing moment where we come to the table of remembrance. <laughs> It's not a ritual, it's not something we, we just do out of habit, but we do it because we wanna come and be reminded of how amazing our God is. And we come to the table and we know that when he spent time, Jesus spent time here on earth, he did many things, many things that changed us forever. And one of those things was he gave us a, a second chance at eternity. He didn't give us money to bail us out at the last minute, but he gave his own blood so that you would have a second chance at eternity. And so if you take the cup, there's a, a film on the top. If you just open that, you'll see the wafer, and then there's another um, film underneath that. But I'm going to read this morning out of 1 Corinthians 11, 23 through 26. It says this. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it, and he said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And I look at that scripture, and I say, Wow, he did communion on the very night he was betrayed. Ever been betrayed before? There's a lot going on in your heart at that moment. And even though that happened to him, he came and he said, listen, I'm going to do this for you because I love you.
So, Father, we pray over this bread as a reminder of your incredible sacrifice on the cross for us. The act of communion alone is not a salvation, but, Father, it's just us coming to the table as followers of Jesus saying, yes, thank you, Lord. Your body that took on many things, things that at times seem unfathomable in our human mind, but God, you endured it all for us. And so as we remember this morning and we're reminded of your goodness, Father, we say thank you. Thank you. Even those that are standing here that their physical bodies need a touch, we say thank you. Thank you, Lord, for you're not finished yet. And Father, we do this as a remembrance of your great sacrifice. In Jesus' name, amen. Starting in verse 25, it says, In the same way he also took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And man, what a sight it would have been at that moment. As a follower of Jesus, as you see the one that you're following, ultimately sacrificing his life on the cross for you, and then you see his blood spill on your behalf. And the whole time you're thinking, he didn't do anything. He didn't do anything. He didn't do anything wrong. And I picture those men of God that were following him, those women of God that were following him this whole time. And they're thinking, it should have been me because, man, was I a mess when he found me. And I could have easily been the one being sacrificed right there. But there he is the savior of the world standing in my place. And so father, this morning, as we rem remember your incredible sacrifice and the blood that you gave on our behalf, father, we say, thank you. There are not enough words in the English vocabulary to tell you, thank you. But father, we are reminded and we are grateful from where we have been to where we are now and where we are going, it's all because of you. So Jesus, as we take this cup, let us not forget how much you gave on our behalf. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Just for a moment, church, I want you with all of your heart just to sing praise out of your voice. Father, we are grateful. We thank you. You are amazing. Father, we follow you with our whole heart this morning, and we just say thank you over and over again for your goodness. Thank you for the great sacrifice that only you could have given for us. Lord, it doesn't matter what we're walking through right now. Lord, we have hope because of you. We have strength because of you. We are encouraged because of you. Father, thank you for all that you have done for us. In the mighty name of Jesus, 
Amen. I believe he deserves an incredible praise this morning. Amen. 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 Well, I pray as the fast has ended and you are, maybe you're here and you're like, I didn't even know we were fasting. You can fast at any time you want. We were just doing it corporately, but you can make it a habit in your life where you do it um, more frequently than just the beginning of the year. But I want to encourage you. I have heard amazing stories in the last 21 days. I have a, a pastor friend who last night, man, she just blessed my heart. She told me of a miracle of something we've been praying for. It was a prodigal to come home, one of her own kids. And last night, God just began to do something in him. And I just said, yes, because that's what God does. That's what God does. And Pastor Jay said, this is the year the prodigal is going to come home. And I believe it. And we're already seeing it. And so I want you to stand on it and believe for it. Believe for it. I want to pray this blessing over you. It says in number 6, 24 through 26, the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So Father, that's what I pray over your church this morning. Father, let them go in peace. Let them go in strength. Let your hand be upon them the rest of this week. Everything that they encounter, everywhere they go, I pray you go ahead of them, you stand behind them, you guard them on both sides. And you keep them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. We love you here at Cornerstone. Have a fantastic week. And we will see you next Sunday. You